0: best relentless refusing to give up all right hit that horn babe let's dance
1: what's up everybody and welcome to the fantasy flex podcast this is our post-draft nfc west episode i am your host chris raybon joined as always by my dude sean kerner sean what's going on
0: What's up, dude? Uh, nothing, just chilling. You know, this is the time here I'm, I'm attacking WNBA and USFL and just <laughs> absolutely crushing it. Um, and hoping we get to go to a WNBA game uh, next week. Uh, go see the Sparks play. What do you think?
1: Yeah, I'm down. You, uh, you hit me up about it. So yeah, I'm ready to go. I'll, uh, I'll be in San Diego this weekend, but i oh nice on Monday. So uh, yeah, let's do it.
0: How's the uh, NBA going for you? I feel like we're three months into Thank the playoffs. You. So we have what, three more? To go, yeah.
1: <laughs> I, I actually I was at the Celtic game. Uh, I was at Game Three. They got destroyed, so um, it was not oh, that guess, one. Yeah. yeah, it wasn't like peak Celtics crowd. Um, although they did make a comeback and cut it to one. Uh, yeah, that was cool to go. I hadn't been to the TD Garden, but um, yeah. Nice. It, I, betting wise, it's going amazing. I, I think I told you last week I was yeah. on a crazy heater. I'm still on that heater. I am now fifty six and twenty since April first. Nice. So, after that Lori marketing bet, I lost that day we hung out. <laughs> I <laughs> yeah. don't think I've lost even a bet, like a day. Um, but uh, yes. Yeah, so you haven't had a losing
0: day. You've I've, lost I've had some maybe like one or two.
1: Like on a day where I, I think I had a day where I bet like maybe two bets and one of them lost. So, you know, was a yeah, TV, yeah. you
0: were. Yeah, yeah. Like or, a little you know, bit of a. Yeah. Yeah.
1: But um, I, I think I'm nice. 12 in my last 13. So, nice. hopefully, uh,
0: hopefully we
1: could keep it up. But uh, let's get into the NFC West. We'll go pretty much player by player in terms of, you know, mm-hmm who's fantasy relevant talk about their value who's overvalued who's undervalued uh so let's get right into it rams uh let's start the quarterback just so we can kind of talk about the past game first matthew stafford It's going around qb 11 uh i guess my question to you is obviously stafford was an upgrade to the rams but now he's dealing with a little bit of a different receiving core i think this year you mean you know robert woods which his numbers did take a little bit of a hit last year without Woods, even though they did acquire Beckham at the same time. And then, you know, obviously it looks like no Beckham either. It looks like mm-hmm. they're going to be going forward with Cup. Allen Robinson will be the new number two guy. And then Van Jefferson, Higby. Um, So what, what are your thoughts on Stafford? I'm personally just not really excited uh, about Matthew Stafford, but curious to hear your thoughts.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's hard to get – excited for a guy in fantasy who doesn't really run the ball at all. But I think for a pocket passer, Stafford is, you know, up there with, you know, maybe not Brady or Herbert necessarily, but certainly where you get him, you know, like QB 11 range, you could do worse. Cause I mean, as long as he stays healthy, I think he's going to finish in the top 10. He probably doesn't have the ceiling to finish, you know, QB one overall, uh, but where he's going in the draft, I think he makes sense. And he, he didn't have Robert Wood's, and Odell Beckham at the same time, so I know he's losing both. But I think that Al Robinson is probably a comparable replacement to both, maybe even better. Uh, we can talk about that when we get to him. But uh, he's still, you know, on the the later end of his prime. So I I still believe in him, and I think uh, this offense will be just as good as it was last year. And you know, Stafford's going to benefit from that.
1: Talk about Cooper Cup. Uh, you know, he's going off the board as the number one wide receiver, as he should. My question to you is how early are you going cup? Like which running backs are you taking over cup and which ones aren't you uh, taking over?
0: Well, it's, it's still early. I probably need to do more drafts where I end up with the third through fifth pick, but I, that's where I'm thinking he should go. I think I would take him as early as pick two, pick three, because right now I have a 70 point drop-off between him and Justin Jefferson. Uh, so that's a, that's a pretty big drop-off. And I know like when it comes to best ball, I'm with you where, you just want to lock up a couple of good running backs early. You can't really lean on playing the waiver wire and getting a running back late kind of thing. So, you know, I think at best ball, certainly you can make the case to take a running back with the first four or five picks, but just Cooper cup is just so above and beyond the other receivers right now that it's really hard to pass them up. Like once you get to pick three. And I think just given that, you know, Devonte Adams is now in the Raiders. His stock takes a little bit of a hit. Tyreek Hill going from Kansas city to Miami, his stock takes a little bit of a hit. So I think Cooper, that just helps Cooper Cup out just a little bit. I mean, the, the only knock you can make on Cooper Cup is that he won't be able to repeat last year's numbers, but uh, nobody really can. So uh, just because we, we expect some slight regression, maybe in his target share, uh, he's still the number one overall by far for me, that wide receiver.
1: Yeah, and I mean, obviously we don't expect him to repeat based on the fact that it was just a ridiculous outlier. <laughs> but uh, I mean, in terms of like actually having the right circumstances in place, to repeat. He does. Cause I mean, you don't have woods, you don't have Beckham, you know, the targets are going to like, the targets are going to be up for grabs in that offense for him mm-hmm. to get like, you know, eight, nine, 10 catches a game, just because yeah. I, I mean, Robinson, he could be better than, than Beckham, you know, or woods, but we don't, that's not a certainty. And like in terms of just mm-hmm. straight up getting open, uh you know, those guys are a little more quicker twitch than, than a guy like Robinson. So, um I, you know, Everything's in place, so yeah, I agree. I think in uh, in, in redraft, I think you want to take up with the probably that third pick, mm. um, maybe even second. Honestly, I mean, after Jonathan Taylor, it's really hard to, you know, Derek Henry finally got an injury. Christian McCaffrey, he's starting to get hurt. You know, it's like you're, if you can get sixteen games of what Cooper Cup's given you w- with a higher certainty than than those guys, I, I think I don't mind it at all.
0: Yeah, where do you have McCaffrey ranked? I, I said so. J.T. and Christian McCaffrey are my number one and two. And then I kind of have a tier running backs after that. Do you have McCaffrey number two or is he a little bit lower?
1: Yeah, I have him two. Him, it's like him yeah. and Henry are right there. Um, for me at two, three and and an Eckler as well. But um, it's kind of, I think it's more of a tier drop-off after Taylor, to be honest. Yeah. Just because, you know, now we, we can't say like we a couple of years ago we would do these and we would be like, All right, McCaffrey doesn't get hurt, Derrick Henry doesn't get hurt. And now that we've seen them <laughs> yeah. get hurt, you know, Jonathan Taylor is that new young guy that um, you know he hasn't really had the the major injury yet, so yeah, I, I think there's a, a tear drop off and just I don't think much has changed with Cup in terms of him. You know, like being able to repeat last year, like just it's an outlier, but at least you know the circumstances are there for him to to kind yeah, of
0: yeah, he's going to see a ton of targets. He's amazing after the catch and he's you know the main red zone target. He he just checks every single box, so th- there's not much to pick on when it comes to him. So yeah, I think it, just overall number two. Is the earliest. Uh, I, I think you consider yeah, him.
1: Yeah, like probably where probably he should be going. All right, let's talk about A Rob. Currently going as the wide receiver, around the wide receiver 25 in, in most ADPs. Um, really, the, the concern, you know, the, well, first, the, the positive is that he's stepping into, you know, the number two receiver, a number two target role uh, on a, a very good offense with, with Matthew Stafford and Sean McVay and the receiver and Cup to take the pressure off of him, which was not true. Um, In Chicago or Jacksonville, you know, Robinson was a clear cut number one receiver. But uh, the bad news is he played 12 games last year and came away with 38 catches on 66 targets for 410 yards, a single struggle touchdown. Like, you know, like what do you make of how do you kind of reconcile what Allen Robinson's talent with just how far he fell last year? um with, with that situation going on in Chicago
0: yeah he's uh, he's a fascinating player to project right now and I will say like his ADP seems all over the map I've seen like you said 25 all the way to like 40 um I think fancy pros has him. like if he's anywhere outside of the top 25 I'm all in um I would really start to debate it around wide receiver 22 because like you said there are some concerns he was probably the biggest bust in last year's draft where you know it wasn't all just due to injury. He was like unplayable, even when he was healthy. And that's probably due to the Bears offense. Maybe Justin Fields, uh, Matt Nagy. But, I mean, Matt Stafford is by far the best quarterback that he's going to play with. This is the best offensive system he's going to be playing in. And whenever we talked about Cooper Cup and Robert Woods last year going in that wide receiver 17, 18 range, I mentioned that as well, where, you know, they're going to see an increase in just overall volume, increase in downfield targets and red zone targets. And, um, you know, they they both had, unfortunately, Robert Woods got hurt. But I'm thinking the same thing with Alan Robinson. He's still, you know, on the tail end of his prime. He's 29. So I wouldn't say he's really in a steep decline yet. So I'm I'm willing to forgive last year, uh, most of last year, and buy in on him at ADP, wide receiver 25 or higher. Like, sign me up for that.
1: Yeah, I think, yeah, like mid twelve, Like, I don't want him as a top-two receiver, to be honest. Like, yeah. I- I want him as my wide receiver three, so oh, yeah. like, I think 25 is kind of, like, there for me. Like, I, I prefer to get him in that, you know, 25 to 36 range, you know, preferably in the middle instead of the high end. Uh, I, you know, 27 is, as you mentioned, kind of when wide receivers peak. I am a little concerned just because Robinson is a little bit of a bigger bodied guy in terms of the weight, mm. you know, at yeah, 220. Um, And those guys tend to have a little more of a drop off, especially once they get past their prime. So, like, I'm still cautiously optimistic because, you know, the Rams front office, when they do acquire veterans, um, they've done a great job of uh, Mm -hmm. acquiring impact guys who they can integrate into their system effectively. So we saw that with Beckham. We saw that with Von Miller. Um, So, you know, I I'm not I'm not I don't think I'm as high as you are in A-Rob just because. I don't want to discount how bad he was. I think there, there could be, there could be some slowdown, but at the same time, like I'm not, I, I still think the floor is relatively high because I think he's not going to fall behind Van Jefferson on that, you know, target list or totem pole. He's not going to fall behind Tyler Higby. So yeah, um, I like him as a wide receiver. Three, uh, any value in Van Jefferson? I know, you know, it doesn't look like Odell's going to be back, so I'm guessing Van Jefferson's gonna be out there like 90% of the routes again. Um, any, any value there? He's going like usually in the wide receiver 60-ish range, mid-60s.
0: Yeah, I mean it's gonna be hard for him to to like hit wide receiver four value, um, as long as Cooper Cup and even Allen Robinson are healthy, even Tyler Higby. So, you know, Van Jefferson will probably be the fourth target most weeks, but he certainly has the most injury upside than any receivers in this range. So if, you know, Cooper cup or Alan Robinson go down, like we know he's probably going to offer wide receiver three value where you really can't say that about guys like Devonte Parker, Corey Davis, DJ Chark, obviously their value would go up if a teammate goes down, but not wide receiver three sort of value. So I think that Van Jefferson certainly as like a bench stash injury upside Uh, Flyers, he makes a ton of sense in that wide receiver 60 range. He he isn't too expensive. So uh, that's why I say in that range, he's probably worth the flyer.
1: Tyra Higby, he's usually going around tight end 19-ish. He was tight end 15 points per game in in half PPR last year. Uh, Of course, had that big year uh, a couple years ago. So he's probably getting drafted a little below value. Uh, But do you think he's like, what are his odds of actually being a every week startable tight end at this point?
0: Yeah, I mean, there, there was at times last year, he, he was looking like he might break out and become that top five tight end Higby we saw at the end of 2019. But it just never came to fruition. You know, Cooper Cup is such a target hog. It's, it's really hard for Higby to be consistent. So I don't I don't think he's going to offer, you know, weekly tight end one value, but he's close. Right. So I have him tight end 13. Like you said, where he's going around in the tight end 18, 19 range, he's certainly worth a flyer just because just to invest in this offense it's a cheap way to get in um, because he does have that upside we've seen it before like I said in 2019 so well I'm a bit down on him compared to where I was last year he's still on that fringe so I think I think he is a good buy at his current ADP
1: yeah and he's one of those guys that could just pop for like you know eight touchdowns
0: <laughs> you know if, oh yeah like, for sure
1: offense um, so that that's really what you're looking for but I would prefer not to have him as like you know, if I'm waiting on tight end, I would still prefer to like Zach Ertz is usually my target when I wait on tight end. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I really don't feel too comfortable with anyone uh, outside of that range Um, uh, because I, like you said, you're not going to be in every week. Uh, yeah. Starter. All right. Let's talk about Cam Akers. Cause this is a tough one for me. He's going as the RB 16, Um, you know, came off that injury last year. Uh, what was it? An Achilles injury?
0: Yeah, uh, that, torn yeah. Achilles in July.
1: Achilles in July. He's back by what? Late December, I think it was.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: But he was terrible. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah. he, like what in the fuck? Payton <laughs> <is> he? <laughs> hey, Vilage, <Balazs>, Trent
0: Richardson. <laughs> oh, what? Yeah, like there's.
1: No sugarcoating it.
0: No sugarcoating it. What? Like seventy five <laughs> carries,
1: uh, regular and postseason, seventy five carries. Yep. 172 yards, 2.4 yards per carry. So like my thing is, you know, yards per carry, just from a statistical standpoint, you need so many carries to really, and we, I know we debate this with Nick Chubb all the time. <laughs> He's
0: the exception. So,
1: you need so many carries to kind of use past data with any, uh, you know, bit of certainty. Uh, and, and, so it's like, I don't want to overrate this, you know, as I'm projecting acres forward. But it's like I, I am kind of trying to figure out, like, was it all to do with just coming back too early? or Because we also know running backs, you know, to demanding position, they tend to peak early. Like almost when they get into the week, it's like their peak. So it's like, has Cam Akers already peaked? Or is this was that just all to do with coming back early and he's going to be back to the Cam Akers we knew in his rookie year um, in
0: 2022? Yeah, I'm going to say about 90% of it is due to him miraculously coming back from a torn Achilles in July. It, it was an amazing feat just to even play, but I agree. He was God awful. So um, I'm willing to forgive him. He's still in one of the elite offenses in the NFL should be the workhorse back. We can get to that. when We talk about Daryl Henderson, but I think that, you know, Sean McVay expects Cakers, Cam Akers. Cakers. To be, oh, I like that. Yeah. Yeah. So <laughs> there we go. Um, I just think that, yeah, like I'm willing to buy back in on Cam Akers uh, and and look past his, uh, you know, atrocious end of the season. Um, the offensive line could take a slight step back. You know, Andrew Whitworth is retiring, but he is sort of hinting, um, you know, never say never. So if if he were to come back, I'd be a little bit more excited about Cam Akers. But with Akers, you're just investing in this offense and his job security. I think he has both. So, um, yeah, I – Running back 17 is a bit rich, but I think he is probably worth it at this point.
1: Yeah, I, you know, I think it's, I think it's too high for me at this point. Like in, like if I'm drafted right now, once we start getting to this range and, and I've said this before, it's like, I really hope I have two running backs already and Yeah. <laughs> that, because it's not necessarily that like ranking Cam Akers is, you know, in that 16 to 20 range, I guess is too high per se, but there's a lot of risk. There's a, there's a low floor. And so it comes to the point where I just really don't want to be drafting running backs by that time that, that you have to think about whether you want to draft cam Akers. I'd rather be drafting from like a Terry McLaurin or, you know what I mean? Like there's so many quality wide receivers. It's almost like running back
0: 16. Absolutely. It's, it's almost like this, this range of running backs kind of like a frozen pond. Oh
1: yeah. I've heard of that.
0: Yeah. Like I I agree completely with like our rank for him is, spot on but there is some risk whereas like you said Terry McLaurin there isn't much risk you know what you're getting with him yeah um so I, I would agree with that completely
1: yeah and I mean even like there's a lot of just like there's like legit number one receivers like Michael Thomas you know might be around yeah. when you're drafting Cam Akers so yeah I I you know it's you have to factor those numbers in a little bit um so yeah Darrell Henderson I don't know I I feel like he's gonna be on a, a good amount of my teams because you're getting a guy who is a backup in a good offense he's kind of like that alexander madison light like you know it's like it's like he's he's behind a guy that does get injured a lot and should have a high workload when he's healthy so it's like we don't know exactly when we're going to need him but um he's cheap enough that i think he's worth kind of stashing but i don't know what do you think
0: i'm i'm worried about him because you know the the one way that he can find value uh when acres is healthy is maybe through the the passing game but you know the rams drafted kyron williams in the fifth round and he was probably one of the best receiving backs in this class. So that does worry me a bit. And even if acres were to go down, like Henderson hasn't really shown um, to have that high of a ceiling and Sean McVay really made Sonny Michelle a thing at one point last year. Like you could tell that he he just doesn't like trusting Daryl Henderson or he can't trust them for some reason. So I'm a bit worried. Normally he is, you know, slam dunk injury upside kind of RB two stash. But right now just with the Kyron Williams um, pick, like it, it does worry me a bit.
1: Yeah, I don't I think I mean I don't know. I think the Rams usually have four running backs active on game day like cuz they usually have like two special teams guys like Jake Funk I, I believe was one mm, of them. Yeah. They had like Calais. Um so I, I you know, I don't worry about Henderson as much. I think in year 1 um I, I don't know how much Williams is going to get on the field. I I think Darrell Henderson still at running back 46. I still like him as like, you know, cuz he was still getting, you know, you know he got hurt that was that also kind of played into yeah. michelle like mm-hmm. henderson got like 16 13 14 17 21 15 14 11 5 and then 16 carries in, you know in the first he played 10 of the first 11 games um so that's not you know that's not nothing there and yeah. so I, I think they're they trust him it's just that he couldn't stay healthy last year but now he doesn't really have to stay healthy because he's going to be the backup to acres and that puts acres at risk so uh, yeah i know like no, I, henderson is
0: I do like the Alexander Madison light comparison yeah. and Alexander Madison is being drafted one slot ahead of him and <laughs> ADP. So by all oh, means, yeah, if, give me back. if the real deal is still there <laughs> uh, draft the Alexander Madison. And then like, once he's gone, you can consider Alexander Madison light. Uh,
1: all right, uh, let's go. Uh, okay. So anybody, you know, just to recap the Rams, you know, anybody that jumps out is like overvalued or undervalued kind of super well, robust conversation.
0: Yeah, I wouldn't say he's overvalued because like we said, Cam Akers is probably ranked exactly where we have him right now. But just the, the risk you're taking on in that situation, he obviously has a high ceiling. But just in that range, I typically avoid uh, targeting running back. So I'll say Akers, but it just goes to show the Rams don't really have any weaknesses. I think every player is being drafted uh, where they should, if not lower. So uh, I would have to go with Akers. And then the sleeper. Has to be Allen Robinson. Anytime you can get him outside of the top 25 at receiver, uh, I think he's worth the risk.
1: Yeah, I agree. I think Acres for me just kind of stands out. This just It's just a floor, it, you know. Yeah. Obviously, the ceiling is, is what it is, but I'd rather get running backs uh, before I have to deal with that. Um, all right, let's go to San Francisco. And uh, the conversation has to start with Trey Lance, Jimmy Garoppolo still on the roster. Kyle Shanahan said probably going to trade him, which is, I mean, that's honest, you know, but the fact is he's not, he hasn't been traded. It's, he's hard to move right now. Um, They said Trey Lance, you know, first we've heard rumors like uh, he's been a little underwhelming, but, you know, kind of take that with a grain of salt because I don't know exactly how those rumors came about. And then, but, but I have, I have kind of, from what I've gathered, you know, he hasn't made Hmm. any changes to the throwing motion or anything like that. Um, So it's kind of getting the same guys last year. It's just, you know, how much I guess mentally um, is he going to improve? So he's going around quarterback 13. I mean, you know, I guess where where is he worth like the upside that we know he has in terms of being a a running quarterback? Like is is 13 fine, you know, taking him outside that top 12? Uh, Would you go
0: higher? Would you go lower? Yeah, I think 13 is fine. He has QB1. Upside, um, certainly, but he he does have some issues. Yes, escaping the offseason. I mean, number one, they can't trade away Debo Samuel. That that would hurt his value quite a bit. Um, and then number two, they they kind of have to trade away Jimmy G. I mean, what are the chances you think that Jimmy G's sticking around this year? Is it above twenty percent now or?
1: Yeah, probably. I would say probably maybe twenty five percent, twenty five thirty, like twenty five to thirty three, like a quarter to a third chance that he's yeah. on the roster because it's just that he's not going to be able to be moved until later, and you just never know what could happen in between. And especially if Mayfield get, gets moved first, um, you know mm. that, that that would take another team kind of out of the running for him, and, and the Niners would have zero leverage uh, in terms of in terms of a move. So um, yeah, I think there's a decent chance, but and then comes the question like. Does he start though? Like if if Jimmy G's on the roster, does he start? Right. Like Uh, that's gonna be no, that's I'm saying that's (laughs) gonna be like
0: 50-50, right? I mean, yeah, we would hope they would pivot to Lance, but nothing's a given when it comes to Kyle Shanahan. We know that. So yeah, so there there is a a lot of risk in late May drafting Trey Lance at QB 13. So if if you're in a best ball, it's probably worth the risk because you're shooting for upside, but then again, you can't make any moves to kind of escape (laughs) the situation where Lance's value takes a hit. So it's, it's a tough call. So it's unfortunate that he's not being drafted, you know, like last year on QB 20 and it's easier to take on that risk. Uh, 13's uh, probably the peak for me. I don't think I would take him inside the top 12, although he has that kind of upside. So um, I would like to see him fall maybe into the 15, 16 range before actually considering him.
1: Yeah. Like I, you know, it's really a situation where it's right now. I feel like you don't want to rely on him as your QB one. Um, you know, oh, yeah. if if we get into the season and they're like, okay, he's going to start week one, regardless of what's going on. Obviously I'm fine waiting and taking him as my QB one because, you know, he can run and, and he has a good, a good uh, receiving core. So, yep. um, you know, a lot of upside there, but um, right now there's really, you know, I think quarterback 13 is fair. Cause it's like essentially the first, the highest rated backup, mm-hmm. uh, you know, fantasy wise. Uh, which I think is fair. Uh, Debo Samuels, wide receiver, seven. I mean, there's two things to consider with him. Number one is the trade situation. Number two, I mean, how many, how much does he play running back again? Cause I think that really kind of stabilizes value, you know, even when, and and he was great all year, even as just a pure pass catcher, but I mean, getting those running back snaps and, you know, being able to add like, you know, seven, five to eight carries and get, you know, 30, 40 yards and, and some touchdowns on the ground which is something most receivers are just never going to do. So, um, you know, what do you think of the trade situation? And what do you think of his usage if he does remain with the Niners?
0: Yeah, I I was going to ask you about that as well, but I'll go first. Um, (laughs) Like, I I don't know if we'll see the five to eight carries a game. I think that was like a necessity at the end of the year. Anytime they were in a must win situation, you know, you want to just give Debo the ball as much as possible. I don't know if he can sustain that for all 17 weeks, but I'm around maybe four carries a game. Um, you know, as a reasonable projection for next year. Uh, and he, his receiving usage did take a slight hit once they did start using yeah. it running back. But either way, like he's a top 10 wide receiver just based on that usage. He has massive touchdown upside, both, you know, rushing. <laughs> they, they like to give him the ball around the goal lines. So that's huge. And as a receiver, and he's amazing after the catch. So he doesn't need that many catches to, you know, churn out some yards. So I do think that maybe Trey Lance, you know, as the week one starter probably does hurt Debo's receiving upside a bit. But again, if they're using him as, you know, uh, a quasi-running back, uh, that helps solidify his weekly floor. So right now, yeah, I'm giving him about four carries a game. How about you?
1: Yeah, I'm probably more around like two and a half to three, actually. I I just I think that's – because, like, I think the Tyrion Davis-Price selection in the draft that, you know, running back, a little bit of a head-scratcher to a lot of people, but I think that may be one of the things they're trying to limit is, okay, you know, we essentially – didn't have a guy we felt comfortable with outside of Elijah Mitchell. You know, we didn't feel comfortable with Trey Sermon um, and J. Michael Hastie. We didn't feel comfortable with him as a, as a runner, maybe as a pass catcher. And so, you know, now they draft a guy. So I think I think the, the objective would be to use Debo at wide receiver. And 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 he was great at wide receiver. I mean, I remember it was like week, you know, three or four is already like, oh, we got to get him inside the top five. Like, yeah, you called up. that.
0: Yeah. Um, where do where so, you have him ranked right now? Um, uh, I,
1: right around there, right around seven or eight. Yeah. Um, okay. Just, I think there's a little bit of uncertainty. So I never, you know, it, if I can get, you know, Devontae and Tyreek and some of those guys ahead of him, you know, will I? Yeah. Because I just think there's more certainty with those guys. Um, uh, Mike Evans, for example, I'd feel a little com- more comfortable with um, just as mm. of now, just because we don't know where he's going to land. Um, and we don't, and truthfully, you know, we don't know exactly what Trey Lance is and, and how he would affect him. Because, you know, the stats are interesting, Uh, touchdown wise he had he caught three touchdowns from garoppolo last year uh on 98 attempts um on 98 targets he caught three touchdowns from lance on 23 targets so (laughs) i mean yeah exactly but uh the completion percentage with garoppolo was 68 percent the completion percentage with lance was 44 percent uh so i i think there's just a little more uncertainty a little more variance uh if trey lance becomes the quarterback like it could be great or it could be different because Lance is looking deep and Sammy was going a little more underneath and, you know, it could have just been something that was more tailor-made to Garoppolo. So, you know, just all that uncertainty is, you know, I'm cautious. I think he's a great player, but yeah, he's another guy, like maybe even probably more so than cup, even though cup had the outlier, like, I don't know if we can expect a repeat of last season. Like they would just, he was just so yeah. good last season.
0: There's also the uncertainty with him possibly being traded. Is there any way that his value would go up uh, via trade? Or do you think it's only down or probably just neutral?
1: If he went to the Falcons.
0: Oh, (laughs) I mean, Just because
1: because he would get all the targets. Like, he would get so many targets. Um, That is true. But, I mean, like, the quarterback, I mean, you know, I mean, we don't know how much of a downgrade really Marcus Mariota to to be honest. Um, But, yeah, there's – I can't see it going up because just as Shanahan, like at the end of the day, Shanahan's the man in in terms of he, he unlocked Debo. I feel like, um, and you know, that, that, that would be tough to replicate. I mean, there's, there's places he could go where you say, okay, he could probably, he would be the number one receiver and target hog right off the bat, like Atlanta. He would be, I think Indianapolis (laughs) would probably love to have him. Um, but you know, I, it's no team that like sticks out is like, it's a better situation than having Kyle Shanahan, you know, calling the plays.
0: Yeah, that's what I'm thinking too.
1: Yeah, so don't, I'm not fading Debo or anything, but yeah, I are probably trying to take him at the you know back end of that top ten um, in receivers. What uh, about Ayuk? He's going as forty wide receiver, forty. Um, you know, I think and the Debo question kind of relates to Ayuk as well because number one, Ayuk really took off when Debo started. Mm-hmm you uh, playing more snaps of running back. That's when I you really became consistent week in week out for the most part. Um, But at the same time, it, it also kind of worries me because like year two of Ayuk was still very uneven. And we, he didn't take like that massive leap forward that you want to see out of receivers at that stage of their career. It was kind of a tale of two seasons and his success wasn't really of his own doing as much as it was, of the team essentially losing its number one receiver to the backfield. So, I mean, you know, where are you on on IU heading into this year?
0: Yeah, he certainly had the tail of two halves last year. The first half, we were just trying to figure out what was going on. Uh, But, yeah, I was going to say he definitely benefited once they uh, changed Debo's role a bit. Uh, He saw 20% targets per route run um, over that final eight, nine-game stretch when he was running a route like over 95% of the time. Uh, so he was the main whiteout during that time, but like, that's the thing, right? You don't know what you're going to get with the Kyle Shanahanigans Ch- um, <laughs> where <laughs> we don't know what to expect. So I think that he is one of those guys that he, he probably is going to be the the one pass catcher that's hurt the most by Trey Lance. I think um, not that I don't think Trey Lance has an arm that can throw downfield, but just, you know, they're going to limit the passing volume Trey Lance is going to scramble more. A guy like Debo can certainly still thrive in that kind of system, but uh, IU, I, I just think his, his floors uh a bit too low to be taking that early at wide receiver 40. Um, and you know that stretch weeks 9 through 18 last year, he was wide receiver 13. Um, I, that's his ceiling. I don't know if we'll get that again this year. But um, yeah, wide receiver 40 feels about right displaying playing a difference. But I, I'd rather take a guy with more uh, upside in that range.
1: Yeah. I, I mean, I just think I wanted to see more consistency at a year two, And even 20% targets per route run is, it's solid, but it's still more like, it's not amazing to where you're like, oh my god, like the underlying. Yeah, it, it helped but,
0: when he was playing 95% of the routes. Yeah, exactly. exactly.
1: Yeah. So like he could he could be like a rich man's Van Jefferson this year for all we know. <laughs> you know? Like I think 40 is a little too high. As yeah. Well. But the only thing is, there's some like un- underlying upside if Debo does get traded. Then oh like, yeah, you got to steal. But I mean, you know, most people aren't drafting this time of year outside of best ball anyway. Um, so, you know, I, yeah, I, would prefer to fade him and, and, and try to find somebody with a little more upside to be like their true, the team's true number one yep. receiver on a, on a higher volume offense. Uh, Kittle, Kittle's going at tight end five. We kind of know what he is. It's just more about health. Um, but, but any thoughts on, on George Kittle? I know he's kind of, it's him and, and Kyle Pitts and, uh, you know, Waller, they're kind of a little bit, some, you know, in the, in the rankings right next to each other. Um, what are your thoughts on, on Kittle?
0: Yeah, so he's right there, like you said, tier two with Waller and Pitts. I have them, like, all tied for yeah. tight M3. So it's one of those situations where you just want to take the the last one on the board in this range or wait for Dalton Schultz. Dalton Schultz is sort of the uh, T.J. Hawkinson uh, of last season where he's really the cutoff, I think, before you get sort of in a streaming territory. So uh, still like Kittle, he's a guy that – he was pretty inconsistent at the end of last year once Debo did become more of a runner. So that is a concern. Um, it's a concern that the one game he played with Trey Lance, he had uh, one catch for 29 yards. Um, so he, he's another guy where I think Trey Lance doesn't help his you know draft stock. But again, at the end of the day, he's probably the best pure tight end in the league. So, you know, getting him at tight end five, it's hard to pass that up, but that, that rankings feels about right heading into the season.
1: Yeah. And I still think you, like, there is a big drop off at tight end. I mean, even a guy like Dalton Schultz, like he's had like one year of, you know, production. Like we even h- trusting a guy like him. Yeah. Cause like, you know how you we get, you get into trouble when you start trying to draft those like tier after. Cause I still consider even those kiddos in tier two of the tight ends. He's still like a stud. It's just like stud one B tier. You know? <laughs> yeah. Whereas like Kelsey and Andrews are stud one, a tier and everyone and maybe you know maybe Pitts gets in there maybe you know maybe Waller gets in there Yeah who were the
0: guys in that range last year that I was knocking it was like Noah Fant Robert Tunyon. Yeah it's like, like those guys And then the year the <laughs> like,
1: year before that it was like O.J. Howard and Evan Ingram oh, You yeah. know what I mean like it's 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 a slippery slope it's like I don't we, we need a name for it it's not it, so we already Ooh, got yeah. on. but like that tight end it's, it's a slippery slope of, of guys We there. need to workshop it it's yeah.
0: specifically the guys after these elite guys but it's sort of the the streaming range we absolutely need to workshop a name for that because every year we encounter this so yeah like um, somebody's yeah. gonna somebody's gonna face play uh, Tyler
1: higbee uh, a couple years ago was in that in that situation oh like a lot of those a lot of last guys year too. yeah Well, yeah last year i guess that was last year yeah so,
0: <laughs> no um, the year before that too but he was coming off that massive you know final six game stretch and then gerald ever came back and we didn't know what to do and yeah he, he oh, that was three years ago already that was two years ago. Um, let's Hig say Beast. three years. When was Higbeast? That was... 2019. The end of 2019 was Higbeast. Yes, yes, um, yes. 2020, Gerald Everett came back. We didn't know what to do. Um, and he busted, right? And then yeah. last year, he busted, essentially.
1: Yep. Yeah, so that's... that's I mean, that, that, all that to say, even though George Kittle might not be like that number one, two, or three guy that he was in years past in terms of the rankings... I still think there's a lot of value yes. in taking him, as you said, the, is the last guy before there's a massive teardrop. So Kittle is a guy that I've had on quite a few of my um, teams. Yep. All right, let's talk about. Uh, I mean, we don't have to talk about Niners running backs, right? Because <laughs>
0: you know, just, uh, just your most favorite <laughs> topic on earth.
1: <laughs> I I mean, what do you think of Mitchell here? Because where, how are you projecting <laughs> Mitchell's volume? Because like you say this every year and you're, you I don't think you've been wrong yet it's like can <laughs> not you, you got to take uh. the niners back with the least the least likely to, to blow up is the one that blows up and the one that starts the year as a starter never ends the year as a starter so i mean a mitchell right now is going as the running back, running back 24 he was very good last year so like yeah. i i think he's un- like absolutely going to start the year as a starter like, i don't think he's going to lose the job in camp to like a, a davis price or a sermon or anybody else on that roster like he was legitimately good but we know shanahan how he feels is that like you can't give running backs this high usage because they get hurt and he you know he had a whiff through it he's whiffed through it every pretty much every year he's been a coach of the niners that yep. you know, the, the backs of you know guys have had trouble staying healthy so i mean how do you kind of add all that up in, into a projection
0: uh, you can't, right? I, you you like, can. That's yeah, you the, Niners, the Niners are the only <laughs> team where I, I just refuse <laughs> to project because it, he's one of the toughest decisions at running back right now. I haven't projected running back 24, right in line with ADP. Yeah. But I, if he if he's the same workhorse back we saw last year and he stays healthy, he's going to absolutely crush his ADP. But like you said, the 49ers backfield is rarely predictable. And it has less to do with talent, right? It's, it's all about the scheme. They run the outside zone. Kyle Shanahan is a genius. So whoever they put back there is going to tear it up. And, you know, 2021, it was Elijah Mitchell. Uh, he was a third or fourth running back drafted in, in fantasy. The year before that, Jeff Wilson, he was a third or fourth back drafted in fantasy. Raheem Mozart in 2019, same thing. Matt Breida, 2018, same thing. So, yeah, like, what, what do we do with that? So it's. It's just uncertainty uh, is really the risk. And at running back 24, this is the frozen pond range. If you want to take that on, be my guest, but it is tough. So especially since the 49ers drafted uh, Ty Davis price in the third round, but we've also learned that means nothing either. Yeah. Uh, Wink, wink, Tony Trey Sermon last year. So it's really tough. As always, I think the plan here is just go with the cheapest (laughs) running back later in the drafts and hope you strike gold pun intended um, but it's tough because Elijah Mitchell, he, like you said, he, he was freaking good last year. There's no reason to think <laughs> that he's just going to lose his job, but just when it comes to his backfield, you, you can't take anything for granted, unfortunately. I think the
1: one thing about Mitchell and that I think is a little bit different from Raheem Mostert, um, mm-hmm. who uh, he was another one that, you know, kind of jumped up to the top of that depth chart. Uh, the one thing that's different about Mitchell that, that I've noticed anyway, is that he was heavily used pretty much every time he was active. Whereas like most of it was just a top back, but like they were still working in like three, four guys behind him. Like sometimes they would have like Brita and uh, I forget who else was there. Was it Tevin Coleman? Like they would have a whole oh, yeah. bunch of guys yeah. working in. Uh, most of it just happened to kind of run away with the job and, and he kept making big plays, but with Mitchell, he's played 14 games as a, as a pro that he's been active. He's got 17 or more carries in 11 of those games. So it was like, mm-hmm. this was a guy that they were, really kind of going out of their way to use. And I know it also, there were also injuries and, but, but the bottom line is like, you know, they there was always three backs active at least for the Niners and with Mitchell, it just didn't seem like they wanted to use those other guys as much as they did with some of these other backs that have kind of taken a hold of the job. So I think that is, if you're looking for like a positive to maybe break the trend um, mm-hmm. I think it's that like, you know, you can't, I mean, there's not many backs in the league that you could count on for, you know, to get 17 plus carries 80% of the time,
0: you know, yeah, and, and he's, tough i mean he played through some pretty serious injuries last year which is huge and i think that might it's maybe i'm looking into it too much but that might be why yeah they go through running back so much this outside zone scheme i mean they're they're trusting the blockers so much that sometimes it, there's a gap there and they have an explosive run or they just take a shot so these backs do take a beating uh playing the scheme it, it's good for fancy but maybe that does contribute to them getting dinged up a little bit more than other backs, but he played through injury last year. The only downside I can really think of outside of just our obscure Kyle Shanahan theories is what do you think about, you know, just him with Trey Lance under center and Debo uh, in his role last year, you know, he's very involved around the goal. I'm like, is this going to negatively impact Mitchell's touchdown upside? I think it could uh, yeah.
1: because I, you know, just re- kind of reading the beat reports and, uh, kind of sifting through the puff pieces at this time of year. Um, I, I did see, you know, <laughs> yeah, some that's... talk of, you know, one of the reasons, you know, maybe they drafted Price, you know, just Mitchell struggled in the, the team. I shouldn't say Mitchell himself. The team struggled in, in short yardage situations last year, um, running the football, which, uh, I mean, I think the one that comes to mind is the, the, the the what was it? The tackle going in motion on a quarterback sneak. Um, <laughs> <laughs> like. <laughs> So I mean there were there definitely were like grasping for straws at times it was in the yeah. short yardage situation. So I could see that as being somewhat of a, a negative thing. Um and then you're in a situation where Mitchell's probably gonna be like a two-down back who's not getting all the goal line work. That's like a abdullah territory from uh from the Lions a you know a few years yeah. ago. But at the same time, this dude is good. So like I, I think I think it's it's a high risk, high reward pick. I put it that way. Like, oh yeah, I think he's one of those guys where if I get like a running back early in the first round, and then I go with like, I get like three stud receivers or like, you know, two stud receivers in one of the top five tight ends. And then, and then maybe I'm drafting Mitchell as like my RB2 in the sixth or seventh round is like a, you know, I could, I could handle if he busts essentially, cause I'm probably gonna yep. draft another like Mitchell type like Damian Harris like in the next round. Um, then I could see it, but he's, he's got to fit your draft plan. And like, I'd rather draft Mitchell. I would say this, I'd rather draft Mitchell at like RB 24, 25, than draft like Cam Akers at RB like 15. Just because I think there's similar floor of like near not zero, but like either an injury or just like not having the full workload, Um, similar floors. So I think he's in a better spot to reap the, you know, the benefits. He's still, you know, An ascending player. He had a great rookie year and he's in a very run-friendly offense. So it's like there are things to like about Elijah Mitchell. Um, so yeah, that that but that he's gotta fit your draft plan. So I think if you can if you're really just nailing like studs at your at at, like four other five other positions, and then Mitchell, and then you have to rely on Mitchell as like your week one RB2. Um, that I mean that's gonna be the best time to rely on him anyway, week one, week two, week three, yeah, early in the year. I don't hate it. I don't hate it. Um, but yeah, it just can't guarantee you guys out there listening that he's going to be the, the, the number one running back and have that same role for all 17 weeks.
0: I would say that's sort of when the um, frozen pond comes in and is right around that RB24 range because you do hit that territory where you have backs that don't have a defined role or the backup like A.J. Dillon or, you know, Miles Sanders, Devin Singletary. Certainly they have upside, but there, there is risk uh, once you get past RB24. So that's why I am a little bit more willing like you said, then, uh, you know, taking Cam Akers at RB18, uh, to take a flyer on a guy like Elijah Mitchell around that RB24 range, I think that's sort of the tail end uh, of the frozen pond where it's it's kind of worth the risk.
1: Yeah, because, like, like, with some positions, like, when when it's a premium thing, it's like, all right, you go at the last guy in a tier, like a, a George Kittle, whereas, like, I think Mitchell's, like, one of the – you could consider him a last guy in the tier, but it's almost like he's more one of the first guys in the tier after –
0: yeah. Of the tier of, yeah, he's a of tweener. Yeah. And it's, it's yeah, like it's tough.
1: Yeah. Um, but but yeah, I don't mind it. But um, you know, Tyrion Davis Price, I feel like a lot of the you know, people that are, you know, skew uh you know on a younger side or more into the college game or whatever, just kind of into the best ball scene are probably going to be higher on him. And then, you know, there's going to be a lot of casual drafters that come back in August and are like, who, who the hell is this guy? <laughs> um, so, I mean, like, what is, what is your what are your thoughts on Davis Price, why they drafted him, and um, realistically, what shot does he have of beating this, like, RB50-ish ADP?
0: Yeah, that's uh, it's tough that you can't get him that cheap because um, there's certainly a lot of risk taking him. He's he's He could be the next Elijah Mitchell or the next Trey Sermon. Um, or he'll probably end up being in between, <laughs> but um, he, he's going where he probably should go. Like I said, it, it is wise usually taking the cheapest for an backup. And if we're looking at the past four seasons, it wouldn't be Davis price. It would actually be like Jeff Wilson or Trey sermon or somebody we're not actually considering or discussing today. But I think that just given the third round draft capital and sort of ignoring the, the Trey sermon fiasco last year, you know, I I think Davis price is a sneaky flyer in the RB 50 range. Cause again, this is just injury upside total, you know, just wild shot in the dark kind of flyer range. Um, So just given just the Kyle Shanahanigans we've been talking about, he does make sense there. But again, like it wouldn't surprise me if he never starts all season long and is a bust, but that's, that's kind of what you get when you take a flyer and a and hours back your favorite position group in all of football. (laughs) I mean,
1: listen. I think you can't ignore Trey Sermon because he Uh-oh. you have to you have to acknowledge <laughs> Trey Sermon's terribleness in order to take a flyer on Davis Price. Because listen, True. like Jeff Wilson, Elijah Mitchell, all those guys, they were never in the doghouse. Like you know what I mean? Like they just happened to pop from deep on the depth chart because yeah. maybe somebody else got in the doghouse, somebody else got injured, whatever. Not so. It's like Trey Sermon, to in my opinion, like he's done. Like he's it's like Dante Pettis, right? It's like, what you, it's really hard to get out of that Kyle Shanahan doghouse. Like it's just, Brandon
0: Ayuk did it. Uh, he was in yeah. the doghouse for what, three, four games maybe, but he broke out of it. But it he is was, tough.
1: Was that the doghouse or is he just like not that good? It
0: was, like, uh, well, it was a mixture of both, right? Yeah. Like, is that, I
1: mean, because that's, that's the difference. I think, I, I don't know if he was ever in the doghouse in the same way. I mean, I know, I guess he was because Kyle Shanahan did call him out about something yeah. in like practice roles. So I guess, I guess that's a fair one. But at running back, it's like, he could just hand it to Kyle. He can just use Kyle Justchek as the halfback. Like that's usually his like when, when shit hits the fan, it's like you just see Kyle Uzczyk in the backfield on third downs. Like it's or like, Debo. Uh, or yeah, Debo. Or <laughs> D- yeah, or Debo. <laughs> it's like somebody that's not on the depth chart at, at, at halfback.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, so yeah, Davis Price. Yeah, listen, there's another guy that I that goes in his range that I rather get, and it's it's similar situation. He might have zero role, but Brian Robinson Jr. Um mm-hmm. on, on Washington on the Washington Commanders. I think they. I think Antonio Gibson really like wore down last year, and that's that's the guy they drafted to kind of lighten that load up a little bit. So um you know I, I like him as well um but uh, I think Davis Price is definitely someone to monitor in the pre- yeah. the preseason because I, not just monitoring him but monitor Mitchell too because like if we get every report that Mitchell's getting like every single number one rep and like yeah maybe they just they want to cut it like you know a lot of times like these coaches it's like we want to give give them a lesser workload and that just means like 17 touches instead of 20 touches which is like an immaterial difference in, in terms of drafting a I, fantasy running back too. So,
0: yeah, I'm trying to remember Um, heading into week one, like I'm trying, I, I guess I should pull up my week one projections, but Mitchell just kind of came out of nowhere, right? I, I so remember. everyone
1: got hurt in week one. Most like broke his knee or something. In week oh, one. that's right. And, yeah, then, yeah. and then like two other guys got hurt. And then Mitchell was like, and then Mitchell, I think got hurt, <laughs> but he oh. came back in the game or something like that. It's um, the outside zone
0: scheme. Yeah, it is crazy. Uh, all
1: right. So yeah, uh, overvalued, undervalued. I think for me, Ayuk might be a little bit overvalued at this point. Um, I, and I think undervalued could be Davis Price, but he, it could even be Mitchell. So, and and obviously Lance, if he's going to be the starter.
0: Yeah, I would say Ayuk, but just give it, you mentioned, you made a great point. If Debo gets traded away, Ayuk's yeah. value will go up. So he's probably fairly priced given that. Um, I'm just going to go with my traditional 49ers running back um, <laughs> stamp of sleeper and bust here. I'll say the sleeper is Ty Davis Price just because uh, he's buried on the depth chart a bit and the bus would be Elijah Mitchell. Uh, again, I love the talent, but it's just so hard to trust this backfield ever heading into the season. Yeah. So uh, I'm just going to go with uh, Davis price and Mitchell here.
1: I was going to Cardinals, Kyra Murray going top five quarterback, but uh, in contract negotiations, so he's skipping the uh, OTAs. His number one receiver is suspended, but he's got his, fellow from his, his buddy from college, uh, Marquise Brown on the team. So, I mean, how are you kind of approaching Kyler at, at this point in time?
0: Yeah, it's it's tough. There, there is some concern over a potential holdout, I guess. But at right now I'm just assuming he's going to be playing for Arizona in week one. So I think that, you know, QB five, QB six sounds about right. Uh, he is going to, you know, his ceilings a bit capped, especially early in the season. Uh, without Hopkins, but he should be able to survive. You know, Marquise Brown is no slouch. I thought it was good how they, they brought in Zach Ertz. They, they really haven't had an effective tight end uh, for quite some time. So, you know, I think he has enough weapons to survive and certainly has the rushing ability. So I think in that range, um, you know, he's at the end of that tier where I think all these quarterbacks have QB1 overall upside. Uh, so I think that the Hopkins news might, you know, provide some value given, you know, he falls a QB6 or 7-year draft. So I, I do like where he's going right now.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's Kyra Murray. He's oh, – like regardless of what's kind of been the issue, he's always performed – he's always going to give you QB1 numbers and probably high-end QB1 numbers, yeah. um, you know, with or without Hopkins. I think, you know, obviously, I think adding Brown helps because Rondale Moore, A.J. Green – you know, you lose Kirk, so it's hard to kind of rely on those guys. I think Ertz is, Ertz is still fine, honestly. He was, yeah. And I, I was kind of – I suspected that heading into last year, even though he was still on the Eagles. I was like, I don't think he's washed. I think Carson Wentz is the <laughs> one now. <that was laughs> You're yeah, like right about that. There. Um, But yeah. let's talk about – before we get into the guys that will be there for the whole year, like, um just I'm curious as to, you know, with your projections and bumping Hopkins for the six games, um, where does he end up uh, in your ranks?
0: Oh, well, yeah, so – I have him projected around like wide receiver 60, Um, you know, I'm taking off six games. Yeah. Uh, But I always say that that's, that's always misleading because especially if you're in a redraft league, the easiest time to replace a player is, you know, the first few weeks of the season, there's no bye weeks not many injuries. Um, So his value is going to be much, much higher. Um, I would value him maybe around wide receiver 40. It's tough to say, but his ADP seems to be, yeah. Way too high, right? Like I've been seeing um, his ADP sort of in the you know up to wide receiver twenty. I don't think I've seen him go that high in a draft. But
1: in in the best ball, wide receiver forty, right?
0: He's at thirty-seven, which I think is fair because I think because that's That's, like
1: that's the number one wide receiver four. And like if you have a twelve-team league, that would be you know thirty-seven would be the first wide receiver four, which I think is fair. I think you don't want to start, you don't want to draft him as a starter. Obviously, he's (laughs) going to (laughs) miss. Right. But if you want to take that chance um, at, at getting like a potential you know wide receiver one for the last 10 games yep and and he and he's just now you're you know everyone else like your wide receiver five is your wide receiver four for six weeks your wide receiver six is your wide receiver five for six weeks i can get behind it i still think 30 like I, I, i'm i like you i would prefer to get him more like in the mid mid to you know mid-range wide receiver four like maybe if he drops to like wide receiver 40 42 43 it's probably yeah, he where might I feel more comfortable but i generally actually just don't like taking guys like that like you know, that are going to miss such a substantial chunk of time, because I think it's, you know, all the games count the same. It's like, you don't want to throw away your, you don't want to kind of mortgage your first six weeks of your season and mortgage some depth that maybe, you know, you you could have drafted another running back or a wide receiver that could start in your flex for six weeks and maybe make the difference between a win and a loss or two early on in the year where it's still, you know, those games are important too. So I, I get it. It's just not, he's another guy that's not really in my draft plan, especially because like, you know, he's, 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 going, you know, going toward age 30, probably he's yeah. eight already. And, you know, the fact that he's, you know, getting caught with the illegal substances, it's like, mm-hmm. is he at high, he's, is he at higher risk for injury now? Mm. Does he feel like his skills were were kind of falling off? Cause he did miss his most games that he's ever missed uh, as a pro last year at age 29, he missed seven games. You know, that's something that we really hadn't seen out of him before. And I, I just wonder if he's getting to that point where his body is just, Breaking down a little bit. Like he's, I think he's still a great receiver probably maybe you know, perhaps even elite when he's on the field, but it's like the signs are there. The smoke is there. And the, the smoke is fire. So,
0: yeah. And I was going to say, so it depends on context. If you're in a best ball league where, you know, there's the giant prizes at the end based on like weeks 14 through 17 or something, then sure. You want to shoot for upside, you know, Hopkins will be healthy and playing by then hopefully, but even when he is playing, like, do you even think he has wide receiver one potential anymore? You're already getting at that. But, like, I don't think he does. He, he is on the wrong side of 30. Um, there's way more mouse to feed now that they brought in Zach Ertz, Rondell Moore. He doesn't play as much, but he is sort of a target hog. AJ Green is just running routes out there, and then Marquise Brown. So it's it's tough. Like it's tough to make the case that even when Hopkins is healthy, that he even offers that wide receiver one upside. So that's that's why I'm with you. Where I'm I'm kind of shying away with his current ADP. Uh, it probably needs to be sort of you know in the mid 40s to to consider him. Yeah,
1: because I mean, look, he, he he last year he averaged a you know outside of that one year in Houston, it was his second career low in, in yards per game at 57.2. I know injuries kind of played somewhat of a factor in that but I, like i said the writing's on the wall you know yep. entering the age 30 season starting <laughs> dabbling in peds with will fuller like i'm just <laughs> yeah, <laughs> not good freaking me out man he's freaking me out and then his quarterbacks like kind of not t- totally happy with the team like, yeah. this could end in like disaster you know it's like it was yeah. like when people were, were drafting michael thomas last year it's like this, no, this yeah. might not work out this might not end well Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm off Hopkins. I think, um, I get it. If you, if you're trying to take that, just don't draft him as, you know, top three, but I'm off him. Um, but let's talk about Marquise Brown. Now he, he's shot up, you know, I, am seeing him wide receiver 18, um, in ADP, um, you know, that's, that's aggressive. Uh, what do you think of, of, of Brown obviously does have that, that prior chemistry with Kyler?
0: Yeah, no, I think wide receiver 18 is very aggressive. That's kind of where I'm ranking him week one. With uh, Hopkins out, so like okay, that's that's probably a ceiling. But then once Hopkins comes back, he's probably going to be in that you know wide receiver twenty-five to thirty range. So uh, I just think that people are kind of buying into his first handful of games, and then they're going to be stuck holding the bag uh, later in the season. So I, I don't get it. I'm off him at that price, which is unfortunate because he, he does have upside. Uh, last year he was like super consistent. He had thirteen games of four more catches. Yeah. Uh, in a very run heavy offense. So, so I do like, you know, him going to Arizona, but there's just too many uh, mouths to feed there. And then, yeah, especially once Hopkins comes back, it's going to be hard for him to be that consistent. So the current ADP is way too aggressive for me. That's, that's basically his his first handful of games, honestly.
1: And, you know, we've kind of seen this, you know, a lot of times, te- you know, receivers changing teams, it doesn't always, it doesn't always work out right away. Um, it can, but it doesn't always. So, you know, I mean, I think that chemistry helps, but yeah, adding De- DeAndre Hopkins, even like a, as a, you know, not full peak DeAndre Hopkins version of himself, it, it, he still projects as the number one player on the team in terms of targets per route run. Um, So that would significantly cut into a guy like Brown, who many, yeah. we, we're probably expecting him to be that number one guy um uh otherwise. So, yeah. I, and, and like, it's, you know, you know, what is the role going to be? Cause like, he's never, we think of him as like this, he's a speed guy, but, He's never averaged more than 13.3 yards a catch. Last year it was down to 11.1. You know, it's interesting, you know, what, what will his role be? Will they, will they use him more downfield here? I, I think they should, um, but, but who knows?
0: Yeah, that's good. I, everybody remembers him from his first game ever where he scored the uh, yeah. three yard touchdowns. Everyone remembers that, but like you said, his, his yards per catch were definitely down last year, which was a slight concern. But uh, like I said, he made up for it in volume. Uh, he just consistently catching, you know, four to seven balls. So that, that helps sort of offset uh, his his lack of downfield presence.
1: It's crazy, though, because know, it's like, yeah, you mentioned that game. It, he went four for one forty seven, two <laughs> touchdowns in his first game ever. Uh, that's an average of thirty seven yards per catch. Pretty good uh, that year. He still only averaged twelve point seven yards per catch, even with that big <laughs> game. Like, so it's you know, I, I think I think he can be used downfield, but I mean, he's not going to be press coverage, which something that even like, Christian Kirk was beating press coverage. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's like, I, you know, I. I don't know. I don't know. And, and Kirk wasn't like amazing at it, but I, I think he's probably better than Brown. Um, so, I, you know, I,
0: ah, it's tough, uh, but I, I do think 18 is a little aggressive. Mm-hmm. You, you described um, DeAndre Hopkins as not full peak DeAndre Hopkins. I was wondering how you're going to describe uh, the current version of AJ Green. AJ Green is like, <laughs> he's like, uh, you have, like you have like a whole
1: ocean and then you have like a puddle like a little drop little like one raindrop yeah. it's like that's that's he's wow. like that he's like you know when you when you're when you're playing like street fighter and you're your, your yeah bar, your, your health bar just goes all the way down like that's
0: that's aj really. oh my god that's perfect yeah that yeah. that's that's accurate i would he's, say that's uh, accurate. I mean
1: he's going his wide receiver 83 so it's like no one's i think everyone's kind of on the same page <laughs> yeah. uh, with aj i don't I, I don't think we have to talk too so much about him i'm, I'm curious though what you think Mm. of Rondale Moore. He's the one that, you know, another one that's kind of hard for me because I like the talent. This is year two. Um, I like the targets per route run, but I was still a little disappointed that like, you know, even when Hopkins was kind of hurt last year, I don't know, Moore just didn't really take off the way I thought he should. And like, he just, he didn't seem to really have like a defined role By the end of the year, it was just like, sometimes he would go deep. Sometimes he would go underneath. It just, there was no real continuity to his gig. He would have like one good game and three bad ones. Like I, is it, you know, do you think he just takes that year to leap now, especially because he's going to have a chance to be every down player, maybe at least for six weeks.
0: Yeah, he could. I mean, it's tough, right? Because he's he's one of the most exciting <laughs> players in football. Once he gets the ball in his hand, I mean, he's really tough to tackle. Uh, but unfortunately, just I don't see a path to playing time uh, or enough playing time to be fancy relevant week in, week out, especially when, you know, Hopkins returns. Targets per route run rate was 24%, which is really yeah, good. That's good. Catch rate 84%, but he's, you know, his a dot was like, what, 1.2. Um, so he's going to see, you know handful of targets a game but it's just it's just really hard to translate that into consistent fantasy value there, there was only two games uh where he played uh, like over 70 routes run and he kind of flopped in both so i don't even know if playing time would help necessarily he's just he's tricky i, I would say he's he's better for kyler murray than you know reynell moore is for himself as sort of a fantasy asset unfortunately um so yeah he's gonna have to make a significant year two leap I, I don't see it happening but sir, he, he probably needs one or two guys to miss significant time uh, to really be a wide receiver three, but uh, certainly, you know, exciting guy to watch. It's just hard to really project him above this, you know, wide receiver 50 range.
1: So here's the thing with Moore, he played uh, over two, th- over uh, three quarters of his snaps in the slot. And now they, they drafted Trey McBride to tight end in the second round. Yeah, so they could be going and, and they've always kind of dabbled with a little more two tight end than I think we ever thought with Cliff. We thought they were going to be like four out four wides all the time. Um, and, they, and they've done a lot more two tight end. And that's why I think they got McBride. They got Ertz now. And so I just worry, like you said, about playing time, because last year he never really was that like 80, 90 percent routes run guy. Even when guys were going down, it was Antoine Wesley that was getting <laughs> yeah. the snaps. Yep. You know, it was a, A.J. Green continuously was like uh, you know, playing almost in every down role for much of the uh-huh. year. Now, this year, it's like those both of those guys are still on a roster, right? So it's like if, if Moore is only a slot guy and now you have two tight ends that may take some of those interior routes. And then, you know, once Hopkins comes back, Moore's not even a top three guy, probably. He's probably you know, he might be the fourth receiver still, you know, depending on how they, you know, what they're going to do with Brown and, and AJ Green, you know, Brown is going to be and Hopkins are going to be top two. It's just as, is, you know, are they going to just use more in the slot? Is that number three and AJ Green's relegated to number four, or, you know, are they going to use AJ Green on the outside and bump like Marquise Brown inside or Hopkins? Mm -hmm. You know, it's like, there's a lot of question marks. In 56, I still think there are some better options. Yeah. Then because I, I do like the year two leap, but just kind of if you just blindly bet on year two leaps of wide receivers, you generally are gonna do pretty well. So I don't mind it, but I just think 56, there's guys that I have more of a defined role, like like even like a Tim Patrick, who you know we've talked about, like yeah, he's yeah. probably gonna play like 80-90%, if not more, of the route uh, of the snaps with a great quarterback and Russell Wilson. So
0: yeah, I think the uh, there is a path I think for more to have a year two leap where I'd be interested in is if uh, Kingsbury kind of creates a Debo kind of role where he's getting you know five carries a game, you, they lost Chase Edmonds, so there is sort of that upside. Um, that we'll talk about the running back soon, but I just think if if he were getting you know four to six carries a game and kind of using him in a Debo Chase Edmonds role, that's where the fancy value would come into play. But that would rely on Cliff Kingsbury to come out. With that I'm I'm scared that that
1: Rondell Moores, I hope he doesn't, but I'm scared he's going he's going to be like a year two Lavisca Chenault.
0: Like, oh, don't say that. Yeah, you know I
1: mean, like, where it's like, it's like uh, the they kind of pencil him in as like a, a starter, <laughs> but he just is terrible.
0: And well, he's talented, right? Yeah, he just he, they, they haven't been able to scheme it up for him. Uh, but yeah, that's the perfect description if more flops again this year. Because I love the talent, but yeah, it's it's about finding a role for him. Yeah, I mean, he's,
1: you know, he can maybe he can be like a Jamal Agnew type,
0: <laughs> just a four to six catch a game beast.
1: Yeah, especially <laughs> you know, return some kicks, do some yeah. Plays. All right, Zach Ertz mentioned him, tight end ten. I love him. I, you know, give yeah. me, give me some Zach Ertz. Uh, I because you know when you're looking at these tight ends, like we mentioned Schultz, we mentioned, uh, you know, they're they're like Dawson Knoxes in that range. Like they're just there's there's a, there's a not a whole great bunch of a track record of track records outside of those elite uh, top five tight ends. So like Ertz actually has that elite track record where we've seen him perform at you know uh, a stud tight end level. So I don't mind. You know taking a uh, you know if I'm waiting on tight end which I don't like to do too much but I'm I'm okay with Zach Ertz here. He averaged uh seven and a half targets close to five catches a game in games with uh with the Cardinals so I I think he's still w- gonna be one of the more productive tight ends in the league.
0: Yeah well, you already mentioned it where the, the change of scenery uh was definitely a huge boost uh to Hertz. He's not washed like some of us thought. Um and he was ranked tight end four uh, Mm -hmm. from week seven through 18. Um, So yeah, heading into the season, tight end 10, like I haven't projected tight end eight, and he's going to have even more value entering the season. Like week one rankings, he's going to be the top of that, like frozen pond tier. We we need to come up with the name with it, but he'll be the top option of that tier. Uh, I I only worry about once Hopkins comes back and maybe, you know, McBride's a rookie tight end, he's obviously not going to hit the ground running, but maybe later in the season, like you said, they might run more two tight end sets McBride might hit. So that would be the only concern, but certainly to begin the season, you know, Ertz is probably worth it uh, for the, the tight end 10 range, uh, ADP. Um, and they sign him for what? Three, three yeah. years. So he's, he's there. <laughs> so they, they believe in him. They're going to keep using him um, like they did last year. So yeah, he's, he's pretty consistent for a tight end that range. So yeah, I'm, I'm all for taking him in this, this spot.
1: Um, All right. Uh, James Connor, uh, RB 15. I actually like Connor. Uh, the only concern really is just the, the health. I mean, as far as the opportunities that he's going to, we know opportunity is King for running backs. He's going to get all he could handle and, in the in a games without Chase Edmonds last year, who's obviously in Miami now, Connor averaged 16.6 rushing attempts and five catches. So 21.6 touches per game, uh, about just over 95 scrimmage yards per game. And he averaged 1.4 touchdowns per game. So like, kind of feels like Leonard Fournette a little bit, you know, where oh, yeah. it's just like good offense, guy who came on, you know when he when he was called upon as the lead back the year before, uh, and now has like is going to get an even bigger chance to be that guy this year. So I just I do worry about him breaking down, but I mean realistically, yeah, you have to worry about that with every running back. So, yeah, exactly. Um, I, would, I would I would take Connor above RB fifteen uh, if I if I needed to.
0: Yeah, I, I haven't thought of it that way, but I, I love the Leo Fournette uh, comp, and you know we were saying heading the last year, like James Connor seems like a steal at current ADP, yeah. and I thought you know he was kind of washed, but he, he looked really good last year. And um, when Edmonds went down, he ranked RB two overall, only behind Jonathan Taylor, I believe during that five game stretch uh, weeks, nine through 14, I think it was. So, yeah. So with Edmonds gone, you know, he could be more involved in the past game, sort of like, you know, Fournette, where he's just the main back, um, you know, that the backups are going to be a little bit better this year. I do like the rookie Keontae Ingram and they just brought in Darrell Williams, but at the end of the day, Uh, I still think Connor's going to be the workhorse back Uh, and he's not going to match his 15 rushing touchdowns last year, but he still is going to be the main goal line back. So I'm I'm projecting him for nine. So quite a bit of regression there, but still he in this range, you could do a lot worse and his job security safe. Some of these other backs, they might not have that. So yeah, uh, other than injury concern, which you said, every running back has that. uh, I, I think he's, he's pretty good in this range.
1: Yeah, I mean, he was right in line with his career in yards after contact last year. He had his best graded PFF season of his career last year, so yeah, and he looked great. Like just you know, objectively speaking, yeah. watching yeah. the dude. I mean, he was like scary good. Um, yep. anytime he touched the ball, you felt like he was just gonna like stiff arm somebody and throw somebody <laughs> to just break a tackle and, and yeah. Get it. yeah. Uh, all right. Um, yeah, I don't. Yeah, like you said, I don't think the. Like it's hard right now, you know, Keontae Ingram. They just sound our boy Darrell Williams, too. Yeah, right? that's what I said. Like that's yeah,
0: so that that's... that kills the Keontae Ingram. Yeah, so it's uh, hype train. But it's a lot better than it was in years past, you know, like Eno Benjamin, Jonathan Ward. they are no competition for even like Keontae Ingram. But I mean, are are you interested in either Williams or Ingram right now or kind of just wait to see how that plays out?
1: Yeah, I'm interested in the sense that like when I draft a guy like Connor, if I can get like a handcuff for free in like the last round of the draft, Mm -hmm. I I like those kind of backs like when you can get the stud running back and the handcuff but we just have to figure out who the handcuff is and if there's no handcuff that emerges which is very possible um then you know we just you can't touch either of them but if like let's say ingram just has a great camp and they actually just cut williams again or something like that oh yeah um I, i'd be very interested just because i it's you know it's it's free it's just like Edmonds. you know if you, we were drafting him basically for free and he he turned out to be valuable at different yep. points i you know so i same same kind of um approach but let's go to, uh, to finish up with seattle um, we could go a little quicker here. Uh, <laughs> Pretty I, so I simple too. You know, so, interestingly <laughs> enough, what I'm hearing out of camp is that Geno Smith has a leg up on Drew Locke.
0: Uh, <laughs> oh, boy.
1: That, no, I mean, he's taking yeah. the first two reps. Um, granted, it's, you know, still voluntary mini camps, But, um, you know, the beat writers that I've read anyway seem to think that he has the the advantage because he has the, um you know, knowledge of the scheme. And he's just less, I mean, this sounds crazy to say, but he's a little less turnover prone <laughs> than, than Drew Locke. Um, which is, you know, one of the they didn't like Russell Wilson, who would kind of, you know, hold on to the ball and and wait for the deep shot. And Locke plays a little like that too. So, uh, you know, I don't, I don't know, but um, you know, any thoughts on this quarterback battle, and I guess how it how it affects DK and Tyra Lockett?
0: Yeah, no, it's it's bad. You know, they still might sign uh, Baker Mayfield or Jimmy G, but yeah, assuming it's Locke or Geno Smith, it's rough. Maybe maybe we should be rooting for Geno Smith because. Um Lockett had you know, one really big game with him, and Metcalf still uh, performed pretty well uh, with a Smith under center for three games last year. So at least there is some chemistry there. Uh, but at the end of the day, this it's a massive drop-off going from Russell Wilson <laughs> to either Drew Lock or Geno Smith. So I, I'm basically off most Seahawks. There, there might be some value uh, in, in some of these position groups, but just if it's Lock and Smith hanging of the year, I, I'm pretty much all off this team.
1: So here's the thing. And this is interesting to me. Um, DK Metcalf's going as the wide receiver 19, uh, and underdog. Lockett is going to 42. Now, last season, in half PPR points per game, DK Metcalf was number was wide receiver 24, um, and that was with 14 games of Russ. Now I know Russ wasn't like Russ for all 14 games, but like he still had 14 games with Russ, and he was he was going he finished lower than he's getting drafted right now, where his quarterback might be. Drew Locke or Geno Smith, and then Lockett, he was wide receiver 18. So he he was six spots ahead of Metcalf, yet he's going 23 spots behind him. So it's like, if I'm looking at this, as much as I like Metcalf, and I know Lockett had the chemistry with Wilson and that, you know, but like, Mm -hmm. to me, there's too much of a chasm here. They're both talented guys. And Metcalf is like, he was the guy that was harder to like get the ball to. Um, And, you know, like just like he would go through those stretches where he just like, would have games where he just wouldn't ha- catch the ball and he would get upset. And like, I don't know. I, I think there's like more of a bust potential for Metcalf than Lockett just given ADP.
0: Oh yeah. I agree. hundred um, percent. I'm actually, I'm projecting Metcalf around wide receiver 25 um, right now. So I'm definitely off him. Obviously he's one of the top 10 wide receivers in terms of just raw talent. But we have to factor in this downgrade uh, yeah. with Russ Wilson leaving. So, yeah, I think at ADP, Tyler Lockett is the flyer to take. We don't really know how this is going to shake out, but he's certainly talented enough to be, he'd be like your wide receiver four at his current ADP. So, I can get behind that. It is worth pointing out in the three game stretch for Geno Smith as quarterback, uh, Metcalf was the wide receiver eight, uh, mainly due to the three touchdown catches. Uh, and Tyler Lockett was wide receiver 27, again, small sample size, but better junior. than 42. Yeah. He's going. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, he had one massive game, but that's kind of Tyler Lockett for you. Right. Um, uh, but yeah, I think given the ADPs, I think if you were forcing me to take a Seahawks wide receiver, it would absolutely be Tyler Lockett. Any interests. I mean,
1: Noah Fant, uh, coming over from Denver, he's been kind of at that fringe startable tight end but really you know just because he's finishing at tight end 12 doesn't mean he you were starting him every week um probably starting him half the time if not that so now he's going at tight end 21 uh any interest here outside of two tight end leagues or he
0: yeah he would be a bet on talent i think uh i'm tight end 18 uh it's gonna be hard to trust anybody really outside of um you know metcalf and lockett and, and what should be a Low pass volume offense. I mean, if, if it's either Geno Smith or Drew lock, we can't really project this offense for more than you know 20, 230 yards. Uh, so he's gonna be pretty inconsistent. But again, in this tight end range, that's kind of what you're getting anyway. Um, and he might benefit if Drew lock wins the week one starter job because they they do have chemistry together. Um, so he would be sort of a bet on talent in that range, but I certainly can't project him to be, you know, a fringe tight end one. In this offense, so tight end twenty one is a buy for me.
1: What's your th- what's your kind of outlook on the running back situation? You got Ken Walker the third. Uh, he's going ahead of Rashad Penny now in most drafts. Um, kind of in that RB thirty range. Penny's in the mid thirties as well. You know, from what I'm hearing, they drafted Walker because they were concerned about Carson. Now I don't know what that means. The in terms of Penny, I mean, he, I know he has a hamstring issue already, but they did kind of talk him up for the first time ever. <laughs> oh he's gonna start so i don't know what's what your what's your view on just how the carries are going to split out assuming carson you know they, there's like no there's been no update on him he's got the neck injury i get the sense that because you don't draft a running back in the second i mean you maybe you do because you're seattle and you took penny in the first round but like you don't they love yeah. carson so i don't think they'd waste a second round pick on not waste but i don't think they'd use a second round pick on walker if they thought carson had like a good shot of, of playing much this year so um is that how you're kind of looking at it
0: yeah, no, I, when it comes to Walker, I love the talent uh, and I love Rashad Penny's talent as well. I mean, he was a league winner at the end of last year, but I just hate the situation for both backs, especially if Chris Carson is healthy uh, come week one. But uh, assuming he's out, this should be sort of a 50-50 split between Walker and Penny. But the, the reason why I don't like Walker at his ADP is just based on the offense heading this season. It's, you know, they're going to be you know a five to six win team if they're lucky and you know they're going to be trailing a lot and what is Kenneth Walker not good at being a pass catching back he's, he's not a really good block blocking back he's going to struggle to get you know third down work so and, and you know he's not going to get you know easy goal line touchdowns because the offense is providing it. so he's gonna have to do a lot of it himself with his running ability and I, I that just does doesn't translate into you know an RB2 for me especially in a murky situation so Neither Walker or Penny are gonna be capable of receiving backs in an offense that kind of needs that. So I am worried that like guys like Travis Homer, DJ Dallas, those kind of guys might be factored in more than we think. I, I'm kind of off both Walker and Penny just based on the projected game scripts uh Seattle's gonna have this year.
1: Yeah, the issue with Walker, you mentioned is like just the whole pass to protection, and you know that's gonna probably keep him off the field. Penny actually got a lot better in pass protection last year. Um, and he played a career high 120 pass blocking snaps and had a a pretty good grade in, in terms of PFF at least. Um, so I, I think maybe they'll be a little more comfortable with him. But the problem with Penny is, like, he's still not a pass catching back. Like he yeah. caught, he caught six balls last year. Like you know, all that right. all that you know all that down the stretch, that all that blowing up was all on the ground. Like it was all on the ground. Um, and in, in the last four games of the year, he, he had two games where he didn't even get a target. So, yeah, it's it's more of like a standard week thing with, with these guys. It's like yeah. they both could be overvalued. And the fact that there's so much uncertainty and that they'll probably be splitting carries either way. I mean, I'd, I'd still take – I'd rather go Penny just because he's going lower at this point. Um, but, like, I don't – like, the fact that he's already got a hamstring issue, I mean, Jesus.
0: Not good. Yeah. What, right. Well, at least it's me. He has time to recover. But this, this does remind me a bit of the uh, Jaguar situation last year with Etienne. And yeah. James Robinson, where, yeah, if one of them goes down, you know, I'll be in on, you know, the the surviving one. But, like, right now, it's just hard to take either back when they're both healthy in the top 30. And this is just considering that Carson's going to miss time. He could be ready by week one, and then I'm completely off uh, both these guys.
1: Yeah, and, th- and this kind of speaks to what we were talking about, where it's like there's there's, like – pretty much a few spots in the draft where you want to draft running back. And like outside of that, it's just like mine. It's just like minefields everywhere. Cause it's like, yeah. you're not getting two in those first two, maybe th- early third round. It's Like then you're, then you're having to either go frozen pond. And then even if you kind of wait and avoid the frozen pond, now you're still, it's like, Oh, do I take a Kenneth Walker or shot penny? It's like, there's only like one or two guys I like in each of those tiers. Like I love like James cook and even him, you know, admittedly, doesn't have like, we don't know mm-hmm. exactly what's going to happen with him. Um, So it's like, yeah, I, I, like I think that the, the best case scenario is like you could get two stud running backs, and they just have to stay healthy. If they don't, I mean, you're you're probably not going to win your league anyway. You know, it's really tough to just kind of rec- like have confidence in drafting running backs in a lot of these tiers, um, yeah. it, you know, further down in a draft. So, um, I, I agree, but yeah, Penny, I guess, would be the guy for me if if I had to take one. What, what do you think in terms of sleepers and busts? I mean, I I, I, don't, I hate to call. Them, Metcalf like a potential bust, but I think he is going a little too high. Uh, I mean, Lockett's kind of the opposite. He's just, I think he's going a little too low.
0: Yeah, I would say my sleeper is definitely Tyler Lockett, just given his current ADP. And my bust would unfortunately have to be um, Kenneth Walker and Rashad Penny, just kind of both backs Um, sort of cannibalize each other going into this season. Uh, Just can't project this offense for, you know, many touchdowns and neither back you can really project for much receiving work. So I just don't see a path uh, to hitting their ADP unless one of them goes down. All right. That is going to do it
1: for our uh, fantasy flex NFC West edition. Uh, We'll keep it going for the next six weeks with the remaining six divisions. So be sure to, to, to stay tuned in and subscribe to the channel if you like the pod give us a five star on apple or spotify you can find sean on twitter at the underscore oddsmaker. you can find me on twitter at chris raybon r-a-y-b-o-n you can also find us at those same handles on the free award-winning action network app where you can follow our bets or track yours until next time get this money